is time now for the Cubs Weekly Podcast. It, as always, it's presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Elise Meniger here, Andy Martinez, and we're talking full squad workouts because, Andy, they have begun. We are not too far as we're recording this from games happening as well. But let's just talk about initial thoughts. We show up here, we see the guys. You know, initial thoughts on camp. Well, my initial thoughts are yes. great job on the read. I know you oh, were thank a little you. worried about I it. I wanted to make sure, yeah, it. that I was welcoming. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. Got you. It. You've got it. Appreciate like that. Like a pro. Um, <laughs> initial thoughts on camp, though. It's been it's been fun. Like it's it's definitely a different vibe than it has been the last few years. I think the later starts contribute to that a little bit. Uh, it's definitely been uh, a little different and fun. Like it's 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 nice to just get back into the swing of baseball things. It's been fun being back. Yeah, I, th- I think as you're even saying that, something I thought about is uh, I talked to Mike Talkman this morning, and he mentioned the energy. It was the first time that I really, you know, sensed from a player he had just had said what it feels like, and he said there's kind of like an extra intensity around here. He goes, I, I said, you know, describe that a little bit. When you just said the energy is different from last year, and he was saying maybe because of the way they finished last season, um, maybe because there are new faces around here, whatever it is, he's just kind of feeling a different vibe. Guys are really focused. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how that continues and how it plays out when we start games. Right. Because overall, I think showing up, it's always just relaxed, right? Yeah. Like nothing really. This is I love this time of year. Right. And it's, it's, it's just talk, chat. Yeah. And it, like it's everyone's a winner. Right. And, like <laughs> camp hasn't really like kicked off in earnest. Like it's like, yeah, if you make an error, it's like it's not the end of the world. Like right. you're the, the, the starting third now baseman, is the time. starting right. third baseman is not being decided today. Like right. you've got a few more weeks like. You can kind of get in the groove. And, and one thing, too, to me that's really, like, kind of incredible about this time in spring training is everyone's showing up early that, like, if you're on time, you're late, you're late which is so weird. Good motto for life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good, you're right. <laughs> but then the other thing, too, that's that's interesting is, like, they're in the groove. Like, like they're not yeah. out that's of shape. That's how spring has changed to, right. a lot. It, it's, yeah. it's not a time about getting in shape. It's just kind of, like, getting – you're already in shape. You're just fine-tuning some some – things that you're working on you're trying new things you're trying new pitchers yeah. pitches if you're a pitcher like it's it's totally a different vibe than like all right I gotta get ready for the season like you're kind of already ready in a lot of ways yeah and this is the time where you're just kind of I don't want to say pacing yourself yet but you know right. that spring training can be long and so then you're just trying to make sure that you're doing whatever you need to do to make sure you're ready for the regular season yeah. and actually the Cubs are doing that by still trying to make some moves no it's probably not the name that you want me to say <laughs> but uh, David Peralta and Dom Smith they have been added well minor league contracts for those two and let's just talk about what those additions mean because I think you and I agree and most people would say no this doesn't mean that Cody Bellinger is out of the picture right these are depth pieces yeah. that the Cubs got so I think initially when I saw those moves it was like okay I mean they just kind of keep adding pieces that if Bellinger is not here right they're setting themselves up to be okay right and so let's also see how the springs go for these guys because I just see them as when needed that's kind of when you'll see them slot in right like you can't just assume oh on March 14th Cody Bellinger is going to sign and we don't have to worry about that like you still have to plan as if Cody Bellinger is not going to return to the Chicago Cubs and uh, like if you're a Cubs fan you hate to hear that but that's kind of the mentality that Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins in the front office have to take you have to assume that it's worst case scenario and you plan for all those things and David Peralta and Dom Smith bring left-handed hitting options that the Cubs really aren't yeah. don't have a ton of that's the other thing I believe with it's them, five yeah. guys on their 40-man roster that are left-handed and among those names like Ian Happ, who's a switch hitter. Owen Casey, who's never appeared in the big leagues. Like, it's it's these these names that like 
you don't feel 100% confident they that, that like, you have not as well. left, right? who so, doesn't have a ton of major league right. experience. So adding some veteran pieces that have been around the league, know what it takes to get through a full 162 season and can hit righties well, I think that's so invaluable to add to the roster, even if it's even if they might not ever play a game for the Chicago Cubs, like having that depth option in case an injury happens, in case someone str- really struggles in spring or someone picks up a knock that they might not be ready. Like you want to have those, those insurance policies for when – when things arise. Yeah, I, I think that just like you're saying too, you know, get a look at these guys, see what they can bring, and then see how they could, if needed, fit into the Cubs lineup. Because like you're saying, I, I mean, there's definitely a possibility you're going to need right. these guys. And so that's kind of what they're setting themselves up for. Both coming off of surgeries, different ones. I, I'm not saying it to make a big deal of it, but just something to note in terms of readiness and what that right. could look like as they're coming off of those. So we'll see how that goes. And, and you were kind of describing it what it means for the outfield picture. Um, Because even like without Bellinger right now, I already referenced Talkman, you had mentioned Hap, Suzuki and Wright. And then there's names that we're gonna see like Canario and PCA and how they slot in. And I think that's what's gonna be really interesting this spring training to see those two guys, honestly, I was gonna say those two guys in PCA and Canario, I would even say Talkman to see how he plays this spring and like picks up where he left off from last season. But the outfields are really as set as it is. It's not set. And that's kind of what's fun about it. Yeah, it's really not set at all. And, like, I think if you're just looking at it from a purely defensive standpoint, like, Pete Carl Armstrong is the guy to play center field. But at the same time, we saw the struggles he had with his bat at the end of last season when he did come up. It's taken him at every level that he's been at. It's taken him a little bit to adjust to that league. And the major leagues is the biggest step up he'll take compared to any of those leagues. So you want to make sure he's as ready as he can be for when – he is called upon like he yeah. can be a contributor and I think that's what Mike Talkman provides where it's like it's a good quality at that yeah at the major league level that provides that kind of cover for Pete Crow Armstrong and then there's other candidates like you mentioned Alexander Canario is a really interesting uh, player that that we talked about Craig Council on Wednesday mentioned him as getting reps in center field and a right-handed power hitting option like He's a really, really interesting name that almost gets overlooked just because of the sheer amount of outfield prospects or outfielders that they have in their system. That are hyped that, up even more. Right, like than you think about like Kevin Alcantara yeah. in camp right yeah. now, and he's a he's a top prospect. Owen Casey, we haven't even talked about him. He's another really high end prospect. Like, there's so many options that they have that it's part of the reason why they feel okay with the roster as is if they don't add anyone else because they have so many options that they would like to give at bats and opportunities to. So, it's a really, really interesting picture that I wonder who who comes out of it at the end of camp that like they are either the starting center fielder or the fourth outfielder. Well, and it's, it's, if you're a player, you kind of always know this going in, but like you, you will control your destiny. Well, may, it may not always be that way. Exactly. That's how you have to think. And in these situations, it really is like, you have to see how PCA plays in spring. Right. You have to see how Canario plays in spring. I would even say, you know, with Talkman, just see how things go. And then you can kind of get a better idea of things right. as well. And so, because center field, the reason we talk about those guys, that's really the one that's up for grabs yeah. and where they're going to need to kind of see how guys can slot in. And as I'm saying this, when we talk about Canario, let's not also forget the DH spot. Yeah. Like, yes, he's someone who can play the outfield, but is he going to be someone who's really, you know, fun to have in that DH position? You see the size of him alone right. and what he can do. And I think last year's big league experience is going to be really valuable for these guys now moving forward. Y- yeah. But the fact that they've developed the farm system, as you were pointing out, this is where it gets really fun and interesting to right. see, ooh, let's start seeing some of this young talent, the, the mix of that young and old, and how can it contribute to you know what they want to be a playoff team. Yeah, and it's interesting because Kirk Council kind of speaks of the DH, kind of like how David Ross did, where it's like, 
unless you have like a David Ortiz or like a pure sure. like just DH machine, right? You're not gonna like have. You're not gonna be like this guy's our full time DH. Like you're kind of ro- gonna rotate. Maybe if Ian Happ needs a day off or a partial day off, you give you put him in the DH spot or say Suzuki, and. I, that's the way I look at the DH spot when you look at like someone like, like maybe Patrick Wisdom. If Michael Bush gets a lot of the reps at first base, well, you still want to have Patrick Wisdom's bat in the lineup, especially if they're facing a lefty. Like, that's a perfect spot for the DH spot. So it, there's so many question marks, and and you made a point earlier about like it looks. It depends on how guys look in spring in terms of what they're going to be doing or how they're going to fit on the roster. I think the important thing for fans is to make sure like it's not about spring results, right? Like I don't, I like, I don't look at the batting average of someone in spring training and say that's why they deserve it. I think it's the cumulative work that they put in, whether it's in camp, it's behind the behind the scenes, their past trajectory, and then yes, the games that compile into what comes into the roster decision. I think of last year when Dansby Swanson, I think started like 0 for 20 something in yeah, spring training. Yeah, something like that. And it's like, well, what's wrong with him? And then he got, the season started and he was like, fine. And then Jock Peterson a couple years ago was hitting everything for a home run in spring training. And then the season started and it wasn't like, it wasn't the same thing. So like you want to like you want to take spring training sets with a grain of salt and maybe look at the whole picture and their whole track record when you evaluate a player on the roster. Well, then that brings up a good point because someone that we're going to be watching and how they develop and and what the process is like for them is Christopher Morrell yeah. at third base. Um, because now we know that that's where he'll be getting a majority of the reps. We know that he can play a lot of different positions, right. but now they kind of want him to settle in there because look, if you have a hitter like Morrell, now you need to get him at bat. So where can you play him in the field? Because if you have a bat, like let's find let's yeah. find a spot for you in this lineup. Right, right. And right now they're looking at third base. And I already what I've seen, I I mean immediately just his arm, right? Yeah. Like he's got such a good arm. So now, and I talked about the, this a little bit on air, but how can he make it? How can he maximize it at third base? Right. Because it all comes down. It starts with the legs, the feet. Yeah. And I think as the reps they'll get and all of that, because he's super athletic, he plays really free. And I think the more, as Dansby talked about, yeah. even, he can develop those instincts for it, which I think he'll do. It, I think it could be really fun to see him there. Yeah, I think Dansby had the perfect quote. Like sometimes when you're such a great athlete, when it's like the easy play that you can think about, you almost overthink it. Like, and it's those plays that are just like I've had I those. Trust react. me. Right. Like, yeah. You just react you're like, like really. No <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think that that maybe is some of Christopher Morrell's issues with the third base position. But I think there is something to having everyday reps where it's like, all right, like I have to bring out my outfield glove and my third base glove. And he was getting work in the Dominican in first base, like my first base glove. Like, he doesn't have to worry about that. It's like, all right, it's third base today. It's third base tomorrow. It's third base the day after. There's a lot of like comfort in yeah. that right like that I think you confidence just know, that can right, be built yeah, with that yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, he was saying that when I was talking to him I did an interview with him and you can tell that I think there's an excitement to in him right that he can kind of he kind of knows the plan and what he needs to work on talking to guys like Dansby and Nico and seeing how he can be the best third baseman because that's what he's being told right now hey right. let's figure this out right and and one thing he told me too was like it's now on him like they, yeah. they're they're saying hey we want you to try third base we want you to take third base and run with it and he knows like it's on me now like i've got to make sure i can show to them that i can play third base and he's going to go out and try and do that and i mean i, th- I think we all thought of it like with nick magical last year right when jed hoyer said he's going to play third base i think a lot of us were probably like nick magical at third base like that's like how like and it's like i was kind of of the opinion like i believe it when i see it and i saw it last year he was a really good third yeah. baseman i think morale kind of falls in that same boat where it's like it's like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And then, like, the track record that the Cubs have shown, like, maybe he can be that, that everyday third baseman that, and you find a place for his bat, which is so valuable. I think I've heard multiple people say, like, it's instant offense. Like, that is the perfect, like, 
summation of who Christopher Morales is as a hitter. Yeah, I think uh, this will be, we're all kind of tracking it whenever we see him out there taking ground balls and stuff. Right. And we already see the tools at play at work and, and how this could go. So now it's just a matter of, you know, how things really pan out and what he does with it. Uh, I think he ran behind us as we were talking. I but what, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> And yeah, you may have your fans even yelling it, for him. Yeah. yeah, that's right. If you're watching the video, uh, Shota Imanaga, we got yeah. to see him throw, uh, what day is it today? Wednesday? It's Wednesday. All right. Wednesday. So we got to see him throw on Wednesday <laughs> in live BP. I mean, talk about excitement and just getting to see him. Initial impressions as a player, interview as in his scrum yeah. uh, as a person. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun it to see. And all eyes, I feel like right now the rotation are on him because he's the new face. He's the guy you want to see, like, how does he fit in and, right. and what can he bring? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's rare that a workout is must-see TV. But it was must-see TV. On oh, Wednesday. yeah, we were like, 12 like, we need to go there. Right. Yep. And what was funnier is the guy who threw before him was – Justin Steele. Like, yeah. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad arm himself. But everyone wanted to see Shota Imanaga, and rightfully so, right? It's the first look that any of us got at him against hitters. And for the most part, it lived up to the billing. He looked really, really good at the highlight of it to me, and maybe you probably agree at least, was when he faced Sei Suzuki, right? Yeah, it was fun. And, and yeah. the, the, the countrymen, the, the two Japanese players facing off, and Shota Imanaga won, got him on a strikeout. It was a fun at bat, right? Like, Shota joked afterwards saying, he had told Saya, like, I'm only going to throw fastballs. And then he saw Saya step into the box and he said, whoa, this guy's a lot bigger than I remember him. And so he's like, I, I lied. I'm not going to throw <laughs> only fastballs. And he struck him out. And it was it was a fun moment to, to, to watch the two of them go up and go face to face. But I can't even said too, like, you know, Saya always hits home runs off of me. So he probably is mad that he's on my team now, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. great. It was a great little, a little like quote from him. Um, I think initial impressions you know that he is going to have good stuff yeah. and now I think it's just about getting him settled he'd mentioned a couple of adjustments he's making between the mound and the baseball which is common obviously when you come over from Japan and I do feel there's already don't you feel like he just fits right in like there's maybe because yeah. Seiya is here and so they've experienced it before but I don't know just seeing him here it just seems like all right let's I can't explain it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's this huge transition that we're going through with him here. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I don't know how to, like, describe it for yeah. properly. She's like, oh, yeah, he's here. I okay, feel bad because, like, fans are listening, and it's like, well, how does he fit in seamlessly? And I'm like, I can't give you an answer. He just does. It's, like, just, it's just, like, one of those things where it's like, you know when, like, two friends, like, for some reason they're just good friends and you know that they're good friends. Like, that's kind of what it is. It's like, he And just, maybe because we did go through it with Seiya. Right. That like, now when we see Shota, we're like, oh, yeah, let's yeah, talk to Shota. Like, everyone I've talked to has mentioned, like, Shota's funny. Like, he's he got is a little, very he's funny. Got a, like, we're mentioning the quotes. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's just always quick on his feet. And he's really eager to learn English. I talked to his teammate in Japan, Edwin Escobar, who's here in, in Cubs camp uh, as a non-roster invitee. And he mentioned, like, he was one of the funniest guys on his team. And, they, like, he's so glad to have him as a teammate. But for the last year or so, um, Shota's been practicing English because he knew he wanted to come wow. over to the U.S. So I think that's also helping in his transition to be able to kind of be able to interact with his team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The communication, I'm sure, between, as of course, we know, a pitcher and catcher. And if he can do that, whether it's through an interpreter, on his, interpreter on his own, like, you know, the better yeah. that it can be. Now, someone who else is just kind of, you know, fitting right in and, and it's great counsel, right? Yeah. Like, so a new face, we're talking about Shota, but another new face is the manager. What are the, uh, we talked about initial impressions with Shota. Have you seen an impact already that council is having on camp? Yeah, I think it's the, the emphasis on fundamentals. And yeah. It's that and then his commitment to like just trying to get to know people. I think everything has been talked about with Craig Council is like he's all about conversations and building relationships with people. And we've seen that, right? He's building relationships with prospects, major established major, major leaguers, fringe guys. Like he's 
getting to know everyone and as many people as he can. But the, the, the importance of fundamentals to me is like so interesting. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this workout, but we saw it on Tuesday where the pitchers all got into like a little mini diamond and were practicing bunt drills. And right. like the pitchers were shorts. They weren't bunting. Yeah, they were, right, it was right, the right. fielding portion. Right, right. 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 A little PFP, were, but like. Yeah, it was like, it was a yeah. weird PFP. It yeah. wasn't a traditional <laughs> PFP. And Craig Council talked about it. It's called the Vandy drill. And it was because it was came from Randy, uh, excuse me, uh, Flaherty, their, their new bench coach, okay. Brian Flaherty. And he joked that it was the Vandy drill because if it doesn't work, they can blame Flaherty. Um, <laughs> but the, the drill is essentially that like, a pitcher will be at third base, pitcher will be at shortstop, pitcher will be at second base, first base, and at, as catcher. And they throw the ball in different directions as bunts. And this is a condensed field right. we're it's, talking it's like. Right, like 10, 15 yeah. feet from each base. And it's so that each pitcher knows the responsibility of the other player so that they know when that situation arises in a game, if I'm a pitcher and a bunt happens at third base, I know what the third baseman is going to be doing in this situation when a runner's on second, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was a really, really interesting drill yeah. and just a way to kind of hammer down those those fundamentals. Yeah, and I think um, just his demeanor, he's a really just like level yeah. guy. I, I just in general, he's not going to get too high or too low. And so uh, that calmness with that – attention to detail I think is what we're noticing in camp and just how it's playing out it doesn't feel like anything no nothing major like oh wow they do this now and this is but it's just uh, little things like that as we get to know him and see how he functions and thinks and stuff that uh, it's interesting and and fun to see this time of year it really is it's it's like we mentioned it's fun to have baseball in the air and seeing these little fundamentals I know I feel like everything is interesting and fun but I mean it I'm like oh it's interesting it's fun it's interesting maybe in three weeks we'll feel a little differently but right now I think we're having fun it's interesting and fun we love it um we have more to talk about still on the Cubs weekly podcast so for now we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take a $300. $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast, it's Lise Meneker and Andy Martinez. We just hit on a lot of the newsy new things in spring. And as we get our first look, almost first game, let's talk about the players that we're excited to watch. Interesting and exciting, Andy. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> the players are excited to watch. Uh, anyone in particular right away that has jumped out at you or that you want to see moving forward? I think there's a couple. One of them is Michael Bush, just right off the top, the newest acquisition. He was he was a big acquisition, right? They gave up a, a former second-round pick in Jackson Ferris for him. He's probably going to be the everyday first baseman. Craig Council kind of alluded to it. Watching him, I think, is big. Christopher Morrell at third base, like we mentioned, is another big one. But really what I'm really, really honing in on is that fifth starter spot. Like, who gets that fifth starter spot? Jordan Wicks is in the mix. Drew Smiley's in the mix. Javier Saad's in the mix. There's so many interesting candidates for that role. And I think, like, you could make the case for either one, any of them, really, to, to, to be uh, the fifth starter. I think it's interesting how the schedule plays out, too, where it's like, I think the Cubs might go to, like, a not necessarily a six-man rotation, but just given the off days and kind of how things play out in that first week, like they might have like a de facto like five days rest as opposed to four days rest for the rotation. So those are kind of like the, the, the main key players that I'm looking at. Well, it's kind of already built in with Shota, right, and how yeah, he'll yeah. need rest and not necessarily needing a six-man rotation, but knowing that as he gets used to things 
as he works with his team and council. How many days does he need? Five, six days? Right. What does that take? But also keeping in mind that, you know, he's not the only person in the rotation. Right. So how can rest benefit others, but also if they need to go every fifth day, how they can work that out. And how can the schedule help that kind of naturally right. as well? I think you make a good point with Bush. Council did say he'll get a majority of the reps at first base so just keeping an eye on him what he can bring obviously i think that anytime they're out there taking ground balls and watching morrell just how he's adjusting um i mean it's locked down middle infield if you're going to go around right. you have two gold glovers yeah. right there you're set there yeah we talked about outfields. center field earlier on in the podcast so i think we kind of know how that can pan out and that's really going to come down to just needing to watch Right. guys and so you know what do they do this spring and kind of deciding that I think the pitching is an interesting one because there's a lot of depth there mm -hmm. and so how like you're saying that fifth rotation spot um, it feels like this is really a situation where it feels like it's going to take everyone right, right. and so having those pieces um, you know how does Hayden Wesneski play into this like is he yeah. right is he long relief uh, is he just coming out of the bullpen and you know throwing a few outs um, Drew Smiley he said he's you know ramping up to be a starter right. does he come out of the bullpen what does that mean so I think seeing what happens with all of these guys uh, I even think the guys that we have seen like an Adbert a yeah. Palencia a Merriweather as we get going in spring just how do they look right you know like yeah. what improvements do we see from last season yeah and I just going through them like I think that's kind of it's the depth pieces almost right. that are now going to be they're the centerpieces in yeah a lot of ways. to see what can they add and it's interesting when you think about some of those bullpen arms whether it's like a julian merriweather an Edward alzai or mark leiter jr they were mark so we mentioned him yeah right, they were so heavily dependent in the cubs bullpen last year they're coming off of career highs and appearances all three of them like how do they bounce back what does that go through how much does a factor of is hector naris who's the newest acquisition? hector naris we didn't even mention right, him right like he's, he's new cub who obviously want to see right. how does it translate yeah he's right. been around so you feel like you have an idea but not right. in a cubs uniform right and and like he's going to be a big factor for some of these young players like he's going to be the big influence for them like it's just so fascinating the amount of storylines that they have that aren't like well who's going to be shortstop who's going to be catch right like you have those those interest you have those positions locked down it really comes down to like well, what are these ancillary pieces that really are going to be crucial for the cubs i'll throw out another name ben brown right yeah okay now is this someone who i think is going to break camp not necessarily i think especially uh having the injury last season i yeah. think a little more time in triple a i mean look let's see how these guys play right like yeah. i don't want to assume or, or imply anything but because he did get injured late last season I think he's going to be though really good. He has right. been really good. Right. So how will he play into the rotation yeah. at some point? Because I don't think it's long until no. we see him. Um, but because of all the pieces we mentioned, what does it take to see him? What happens? How do things play out? And that's, I think, just the stuff now. And uh, this is the unique part when you've developed the farm system, yeah. right? Like how you we're have these. Yes, we talk about it when you build up a farm system is to have the ability that like, oh, OK, this guy's underperforming. This guy's hurt. Like, well, we have another top prospect coming up. Well, Ben Brown's struggling. Well, we have Hayden Wisniewski that can come up. Javier Saad's struggling. Okay, Javier Jordan Saad. Wicks is, I don't think we mentioned his name yet. Jordan yeah. Wicks can come up. Like you have you build up these pieces so that when injury when underperformance happens you have that depth it was something that a couple years ago they really lacked right when starting pitching went down they didn't have that depth that they can rely on now they're at a point where they feel like all right well if one guy goes down it would stink but it's not the end of the world yeah the, and that's when you have the farm system that you do where you feel like okay we we can figure this out and even picking up the pieces they have so far in spring right like we talked about Peralta and Smith um something else that as we just you know get here and we're in Arizona 
initially in spring training, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, when I come out here, it's just seeing the guys. And what I mean yeah. by that is we haven't seen them for a few months. Even seeing them at Cubs convention, we're seeing them in uniform out on the diamond. And I always think for me what jumps out, the first thing is like just how they look. How has their body changed? And yeah. I don't think it determines everything. But sometimes the way they have changed, as we've seen around baseball with other players, it's like, oh, well, this is interesting. Let's see now how this plays and what you've changed. People that stick out to me, Edward Alzelay, yeah. he's gotten uh, stronger, it yeah. appears. Um, we haven't even mentioned this player yet, Miles Mastroboni, yeah. right? Left-handed so, hitting option. Yeah, yeah, he's gotten, it seems, he's, stronger. Yeah, he does look a little um, So that's just the stuff that, for me, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's something that, like, when we're out here, it's just like, oh, we're doing this, yeah. you know, right now. I forgot about this. Or is there anything that sticks out? What is it? Yeah, for me, it's just the amount of time we spent on the backfields. That's kind of new. Yeah. Before when there was live BPs, they were primarily on field one and field two, which are kind of not accessible to the public. Like you're, like if you're a fan, you can watch a little bit of field one. You can't really see field two. The Shoto Imanaga live bullpen, the Justin Seal live bullpen, all these live bullpens have been on the backfields where the minor leaguers usually play. And you're seeing fans like walk up and brush up with these players that they watch on their field. Like I think that's so cool and such a unique experience. Like I think that's what spring training is all about. And I think it's so cool to see them. Like, all right, well, you're not gonna have to see them from like 45 feet away uh, between a fence and like yeah. hundreds of people by you. Like, no, no, you're gonna be like 10, 15 feet away from them. That's I think such a cool like new addition that they've done at spring. Yeah. To that point, I remember last year, uh, there's the bullpen set up where guys just kind of line up. We've seen some video of it. Maybe you yeah. have like on X where um, you kind of are just standing on the sides of it, right? And I like that view, but it is different because I feel like already yeah. more than last year, like you said, live BPs, seeing it on the backfields. Because uh, last year going to the backfields, and this will happen, but you see the minor leaguers, right, right. if you want to go down there. Um, but it is cool they're using the whole complex just in a different way. Yeah. Just seeing how now it's being used and, and for what right. exactly. Um, were there any players that stuck out to you, like first impressions, conversations th- maybe you've had so, so far? Going back to your point about like how some of these guys look in coming into camp, Javier Assad has lost a lot of weight. He seems like a little like tr- slimmer and okay. a little bit bulkier, which I wonder if that allows. I'll him have to. to look. I haven't yeah, even really yeah, seen him. Like, so I'll have to give it a look. I, yeah, I remember Scotty, our, our awesome videographer, photographer, like ever do everything. He saw Pretty Javier Sad, and he's like, "Wait, that's Javi." I'm like, "Really? Yeah, I, like, have, I, I, didn't know. Yeah, I need like, to look closer." He was okay. the guy that came up to, to mind where I'm like, "Wow, oh. like that's he's he's in the best shape of his life," as everyone says during spring training. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how you want to come in, feeling right. good, um, and I think that's pretty much what we've seen right like yeah. it's really nice when you come in spring when there's nothing I don't even want to say it because you know what I'm hinting at everyone's <laughs> right now feeling good and the yeah. word healthy yeah, yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> anyways you is that where, is that where we stop yep. is that where we cut yeah. it and cut that's us where, off that's where it all right well this has been my Annie welcome back right Thank spring you. nice yeah. weather here in Thanks Arizona yeah as always this has been fun all right so that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs weekly podcast as you know it's presented by Wintrust don't forget to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check us out in video form on the marquee sports network app we'll see you next week